Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Influence with Michelle Martin on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. 2019 was a thrilling year for Pinot Noir. Yesterday we were talking about NFTs. Today we're talking about a whole different kind of collectible. We look at which wines are among the most sought after world over in terms of investment value, which are at an all-time high. We're taking a dive into the Robert Parker Wine Advocate 2019 report. It's a guide to navigating wine wine domains and who better to take us on a guide than a man who spends six months of the year in cellars and vineyards in the Burgundy region. He's a graduate of Oxford University. William Kelly is uh, the man behind the Robert Parker annual report. He helms the report as a reviewer. William, good morning. Good morning. Thanks very much for having me. I understand it's 4 a.m. in the morning in in <laughs> France. So thank you for being here. Now, uh, let's get to know you a little bit. What is the link between uh, your what you were doing in Oxford University and what you're doing now, reviewing wine? Oh, well, I studied uh, history all the way through to uh, a doctorate. And in the process, I guess I became very aware of uh, how culture, how how long processes over time shape uh, the things that people do and how people behave. So I think that's a great heuristic for understanding the wines of Burgundy. It's one of the most traditional wine regions in the world. People have been making wine there for uh, the better part of 2,000 years. Many of the vineyards that make wine today have been in continuous cultivation for that time. And so really to understand those wines and, and the culture that produces them, uh, and to understand the the way people work there, you have to you have to be a bit of an historian. So I think you know, even though it seems like a somewhat tangential uh, way to to apply uh, an academic career like mine, in fact, I find it very fructifying. Oh, that is so fascinating! So you weren't directly researching the area or great wines from the forties and the fifties and the sixties at the time that you were at Oxford. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, fascinating. So to put this report together, did you have to travel to the Burgundy region any time during the pandemic last year? I, I did twice, in fact. I managed mm. to be locked down in France in both of the two national lockdowns that they've had so far, uh, which was something of an impediment, but we managed to, to get it done. And, you know, there's still a, a good, uh, a good uh, 300 or so producers individually went to see them, talked about the, the harvest, tasted their wines on site which I think is really the only way to write about Burgundy. Uh, and, um, yeah, I'm, 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 I got very lucky in timing. I have a number of different passports, and I was able to, to do the travel that needed to be done when it needed to be done, thankfully. Mm. Now, you know, give us a view of Burgundy through the eyes of a historian. It is a classic wine region. Why is it home to some of the most sought-after wines around the world? Well, you know, I think there's this saying uh, among wine lovers that all roads lead to Burgundy. and uh, It captures the fact that people uh, often end up getting captivated by, by these wines. I think there are a lot of reasons for that. Mm. Uh, the first is simply that they, they taste great. You know, they're uniquely, at their best, a uniquely sensual, textural, perfume, complex, and age-worthy. And there's not really anything that can compare with that when the when they actually achieve their full potential, uh, they're also incredibly scarce. You know, we want what we can't have. So True. you're thinking about a, a big Grand Marc champagne label, you're talking about production in millions of bottles. Uh, a Bordeaux first growth chateau, hundreds of thousands. In Burgundy, a few thousand bottles is, is a big production already, and the smallest cuvee I review every year is only 80 litres. 
Uh, now, that means they're very expensive, and they dominate any list of the world's most expensive wines, um, that's for sure. But I think more than that, and that's, that's, it's easy to, to get drawn into looking at auction results and appreciation of wines, anything that's, that's outperformed most major share indices uh, over the last 10 years in the wine world. Mm. But more importantly, even I think the animating philosophy of Burgundy, which is this notion of, of terroir, which is a French concept that... Uh, the particular location of the vineyard, its geology, exposition, mesoclimate, that decisively shapes the taste of the wine. Well, that's really been globalized in the last 15 years. And, you know, and say a Bordeaux producer used to talk about the chateau style or a champagne house. It used to talk about the house style or new world wineries that would talk about the grape varieties. We make Cabernet. Now everybody talks about terroir all around the world, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and if you accept that philosophy, well, then uh, the net food software is, is burgundy. Um, so, so it's sort of built into the system, if you like. All right, let's drill down into that report. Why is 2019 a good vintage for burgundy lovers? Why has it been such a great year for Pinot Noir? Well, you know, uh, there were low yields, so the flowering was extended. And when the flowering is extended, you get uh, very small grapes. So the small concentrated grapes, and had dry and warm, but not too warm uh, conditions culminating in a mid-September harvest. You know, very classic. People back in the Middle Ages were writing that the best wines are made in mid-September harvests. So really everything went right. You know, it could have been too hot, it could have been too dry, but in fact it was less extreme in, in terms of heat than 2018 before. And the wines have never had an awkward phase. They've been delicious from, you know, from pretty much day one. I make, I make a little bit of wine in Burgundy myself just to sort of uh, I get a first-hand experience of what the vintage is like, and I can I can say that you know, the wines of, wines of 2019 have been immensely seductive from from the start. However, mm. uh, a small crop, a lot of demand, a lot of reputation already. They're going to be very expensive. They're already very expensive. So that's the downside. And is your is is your wine for sale, or is it just for personal consumption? So far, just for personal <laughs> consumption. You know, keep things simple. <laughs> fabulous, fabulous. So you're not seeing climate change affecting wine production in any significant way? Oh, no, it's, it's uh, impacting it, absolutely. But so far, it's been a net positive. You know, I think you have to say that, uh, even if it's alarming to think about what challenges that is going to pose for the future. You know, so far, it means we don't have so much in the way of disease pressure, we don't have so much in the way of underripe grapes. Um, so, you know, that makes a big change. And I think people would have, would have killed for this kind of, these kind of conditions 30 years ago. Mm. Now, of course, it makes us worry a bit about whether the, the rootstocks of the vines uh, would be sufficiently drought resistant. You know, people, producers who used to have to worry about working with marginally ripe fruit harvested in the rain in cold conditions with rot now have to worry about raisin grapes uh, picking in, in conditions that are too warm, you know, so it's a totally different set of challenges that people having to adapt to. But, but so far, I remain pretty optimistic. And, you know, and, and, and so far, we also have to acknowledge that it's been a positive. All right. It is 11.13 Singapore time, which means it's practically happy hour. Um, <laughs> walk us through the 10 favorites that the report highlights uh, that showcase the 2019 vintage. What do we need to have in our wine cellars? Well, I really wanted, uh, with that selection, to pick things up and down the, the Appalachian hierarchy in Burgundy. You know, everything in Burgundy is classified, and there are, there are some sites that are much more prestigious than others. But the reality is that uh, today, more than ever, people are making great wines 
uh, all across that hierarchy, not just in the top Grand Cru, but in rather modest, you know, traditionally rather modest villages. So, you know, I wanted to pick people in the Côte Chalonaise, like Vincent de Rojan Fial, you know, historically low prestige regions who are making beautiful wines as well. Mm-hmm. Because I'm, you know, I'm painfully aware that even for well heeled collectors, some of these wines have just become, you know, ludicrously expensive. And I mean, I just, I've been paying for some of my allocations this week and it's, uh, it's been an eye watering experience. <laughs> Listen, I'm a white wine lover. What should I be looking to get my hands on? I would say, yeah, don't be afraid to to look outside the Côte de Vin, to look further south, look in the Mâconnet, Domaine Guffentheinen, Dora jean in Rui, who I mentioned. Uh, moving further north, mm. Orange-Germain in, in Merceau is a really under-the-radar producer. You know, we hear a lot about Cochery and Complessant, uh, great wines, but Orange-Germain for me is, is uh, playing with the big boys in that respect, so it's really worth a look. And I know that you can get those wines in Singapore. Uh, Lamy Kaya and Bernard Moreau and Chassagne Marcher, another couple of names I'd, I'd throw out. Um, but, but there are a lot of, you know, there are a lot of uh, people making very successful, very tasty wines at the moment. So, so Will, you're here with us on Money FM, we're a business news station. And for the wine collectors who are listening in, uh, which would you say are top of your list in terms of potential appreciation? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's clear that the only way for the wines of Domaine de la Conti is out. Um, and anyone who can get hold of any of those bottles uh, is going to see them, you know, triple in value in, in the course of the decade. I don't think any question about that, especially if you can get release pricing. Uh, Domaine Arnoux Lachaud in Vaux de is uh, a domain that's exploding right now. And, you know, we went from these wines being $200 a bottle just two or three years ago to already going into the thousands. Again, I think the only way is up for for that estate, and you know, but you could, this is a story you can repeat about so many producers in Burgundy. But those are two, you know, very obvious ones. But I think sometimes when it comes to investments uh, or things that are going to appreciate. Uh, often often the most obvious answers are, are the best, in fact. All right, insights there into collecting and drinking some great wine from Dr. William Kelly, the man behind the annual report, the Robert Parker Wine Advocate. And we were looking at the 2019 report. I'm Michelle Martin. Cheers. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.